With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fabulous job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. It is Thursday morning around 8 o'clock or so, so that means our weekly visit with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Chris, how are you doing this morning, bud? Chris, you there? We'll make an effort here to get him on the line once again. A big uh, series coming up for LSU. Uh, not many really thought it would boil down to this, of course, on the road against Auburn. Uh, the Tigers, some think, uh, fighting for uh, their postseason, postseason lives. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm one who thinks that as well. Um, need a good show in here at Auburn. And the fact is, you mentioned this earlier, they're not, they have not played well on the road. It's simply put, and if you want to compare the numbers, I mean, they hit 319 at home, talking about LSU, and on the road they've hit 230 this year. I mean, that's quite a drop. And, I mean, you can look at ERA as well. They uh, 3.73 ERA at home, 6.48 ERA on the road. Mm. Now on the Stuart Shelby hotline, Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. What up, Chris? How are you doing this morning, bud? I'm good. I'm doing well, guys. I apologize. I, I, they just don't make Apple phones like they used to. Every time someone calls, I uh, I talk to the producer. They put me into the system, and then it just doesn't work. I hear you guys loud and clear, so I apologize. Not sure what what the deal is. Seems like it happens every week. No problem. Hey, uh, this is uh, the final week of the regular season. Does it feel like uh, the final week? Has it flown by for you? Yeah, it really has flown by. You know, Doug Thompson and I were talking about when we were wrapping up the booth, uh, you know, cleaning things up to leave. Uh, on uh, Tuesday night, it was like, wow, this seems like yesterday we were, you know, Notre Dame and Texas and looking forward to starting the SEC, and here we are finishing up the SEC, and Hoover's going to start next week. So, uh, but I guess that's like they say, every year um, things just move faster. I think that's just part of life. The older you get, the faster it goes. This team has faced so much adversity, and, of course, injuries have played a big part. Uh, for this team to be where they are now and, of course, fighting for uh, their RPI and, of course, their postseason lives, uh, it's been a kind of a roller coaster ride for this program. Yeah, I really felt bad, you know, this year for the team. And, again, that's kind of weird to say considering there are some things that are out there that, that can go the Tigers' way. But uh, it's frustrating because the injury bug has impacted this team from the very first weekend, and it will affect it again going into the very last weekend. Um, you know, just never able to have all hands on deck uh, for a long period of time or really since the opening weekend to have them on deck uh, at any given time. So, um, you know, and I think the team and the program, uh, to be honest with you, are going to, you know, be better for it. 
uh, in the future, at least for the short term, uh, just simply because of the experience that young guys got this year that I'm sure uh, they didn't expect to get. Um, but, you know, it doesn't make it, it, it any easier for 2018 for the, for the coaches and players to, to see some of the games that they had an opportunity to win. They let some slip away. Um, they just didn't get into some games earlier this season. Um, but, hey, that's why we play the games. Uh, Auburn certainly is a very effective team at home. Uh, Mike, like most SEC teams outside of Florida this year, uh, not a lot of people have had success on the road. Uh, certainly LSU undefeated at home in SEC series as far as series wins go, uh, but yet to get one on the road. But uh, no better time than, than this weekend with so much on the line. I don't know how much you get into this RPI thing or looked at the numbers. Uh, this morning on warrenolan.com, they got LSU at, at 46. As you kind of crunch the numbers or talk to Palmineri, what do you think the LSU Tigers need to do? Well, I think picking two wins up at Auburn would be huge because the way the RPI is rated, uh, you know, which wasn't always this way, but it has been the last several years uh, due to the teams up north, mainly the Big Ten. Uh, your road victories are, are weighted much heavily, uh, heavier than, than home wins. Uh, even when you pick up big wins over number four Arkansas at home, it's not going to move the needle the way it will with a, a road win at, at uh, Auburn just because of their high RPI. So uh, I think to solidify uh, and no worries going into the final week and not putting pressure to have to have the best performance in Hoover, although LSU and Palmineri uh, have had teams with great players, uh, great teams, and then they had teams that maybe weren't as good as people in the league in a particular season, and you still had success there. Um, but if you can go ahead and kind of get that off your shoulder, it may allow you to play a little looser and actually play a little better in Hoover. So I think picking up two wins will be enough to, to move the needle on the RPI to, to say you're going to be safe as an at-large. Now, again, I don't think that's you know, a chance to, to host a regional. I think you'll be on the road. Uh, but at this point of the year, based on all the things that you've just talked about, uh, due to the injuries and, and lack of guys at their disposal, uh, that's not a bad thing uh, if you can just get into the dance. If you get a ticket to the dance, then you can go out there and show your moves. <laughs> uh, Luke Johnson uh, crunched the numbers for LSU baseball, the difference for this team on the road and at home. What have you noticed to be the biggest difference? Because uh, the statistics certainly are staggering at the play and on the mound. I don't know that it's going to change, um, you know, to, to a point where there's going to be a dominant team on the road. Again, Florida has had their share of losses. They certainly have done much better on the road, but, you know, they may be one of the best teams uh, even more so than they were last year. I mean, the difference between Florida last year and this year to me is offensively. Uh, last year they had a great starting rotation, uh, but they weren't a team that up and down the lineup you, you feared a lot. Uh, you have to with the number of extra base hits and the number of home runs this team has hit. They're, they're an offensive juggernaut. Um, but I think that when you look around the SEC, and I've visited every venue now on the road, um, there's there's nobody in the league outside of maybe Missouri um, and to a certain degree Tennessee just because the program has been kind of in flux, Alabama because they've had so many coaching changes. But when you look at atmosphere, you look at facilities, you look at the stadiums, you look at fan bases, you know, what LSU has been doing for dang near 30 years, everybody else is doing now. Uh, you know, Alabama certainly, I think Bohannon's got him headed in the right direction. Uh, he certainly has a great pedigree coming into coaching. But their facilities, they're there. Uh, Papa Nick has built them a very nice 
uh, renovation and new addition to the baseball stadium. Uh, Mississippi State will have their new one online, and of course they got plenty of history at Duty Noble Field. Um, Arkansas and Vaughn Stadium, uh, one of the better ones in the country. Uh, Florida's also made some upgrades. Kentucky's got a new one coming online. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, so I don't know that it's ever going to be easy for any team in the SEC to just simply dominate on the road because fan bases are engaged. SEC baseball across the league uh, is way up there on the priority list, higher than, than most other conferences in the country. Uh, and they've hired good coaches and they get great players. I mean, again, based on the scholarship limits, uh, based on the roster limits, uh, there's not a team that can just go gobble up all the great players in the country. Uh, so I, I don't know that it's, it's ever going to be easy for a team to go dominate on the road in the SEC, just simply because it, it's really getting even with, uh, you know, years past it was the haves and the have-nots. I, I don't know that there's any have-nots in the SEC now. Wanted to mention one moment that took place in the box uh, this past week against Northwestern State. Uh, the Jordan brothers and, of course, the Tiger fans getting to recognize both of them. How cool is that to see the one pinch hit for the other? And, of course, Paul Maneri doing that, giving them his moment in the sun. Well, that's why Paul Maneri is a class act. I mean, that's why he's a college Hall of Fame baseball coach, uh, and that's why he's going to be one of the more successful ones in the history of the sport um, because he gets it. Um, he understands the nuances of the game. He understands the importance of the game. He understands the – the folklore, legend, uh, and class of the game. And, you know, I thought he did a great job on Wednesday night for that moment in particular. Um, and as it turned out, I can't wait to ask him. I didn't get to see him after the game. But I can't wait to ask him if it was done by design uh, or if it was just, hey, let's make sure we do this. Once, let's let Bo get out there, and then let's call him back and let him and Bryce meet uh, just right at home plate again, made it just an incredible moment that they got everybody on their feet. But, you know, he did the same thing with Nick Coombs. Nick got the start, uh, another graduating senior. Um, and then instead of just letting him play the whole game, made sure there was a very demonstrative change for Fiducia so that Nick could get a nice applause on his way in. And, of course, Austin Bain, um, he didn't need to be taken out of the game. He just needs to do what he does to get his applause because uh, late in the ball game, uh, he's about as close to single-handedly winning the game and, uh, or putting the game away, I should say, as you will ever see. So it was a nice night for all the guys who were obviously honored on Sunday uh, before the game, but for the fans to see them one last time in a regular season uniform at the box, it was awfully nice. Chris, we, we've talked a lot about Austin Bain and what he's done this year offensively and you know, on the mound for LSU, but a guy that has really been on fire as of late is Daniel Cabrera. Uh, I mean, how fun has it been to watch him develop over these last couple of weeks? It's been fun because, you know, it's almost like you have a sense of, you know, the old saying, uh, I told you so. Um, it, it almost seems like the hype around Daniel Cabrera last season, even before last season ended when you talked about who the potential players were that were going to be coming in in the fall. I mean, that was the first name off the top of the list. And then, of course, everybody was excited about his performance coming in, adjusting to college in the fall semester, and also participating in fall ball. That you know, he was he was very impressive. Leading up to preseason, uh, the same kind of story, and everybody couldn't wait to see him. And you know, then he got off to a tough start. Um, you know, had to adjust to to the type of pitching. And again, this non-conference to start this year was was a lot different than in years past, especially recently. I mean, you saw some pretty good arms, pretty good pitchers. 
uh, even before you got to the SEC, and you knew what you were getting there. Uh, but to just see him now look like a three-year veteran standing in at the box, um, you know, I, I think he strikes fear now in, in opposing coaches and opposing pitchers who are going to have to pitch to him. Uh, and, and I think it all comes down to his ability to slow the game down at the plate, also be a little more patient at the plate um, so that he's waiting for his pitch. If you're going to get him out, uh, you're going to have to give him his pitch. And so far over the last seven to ten games, if you give him his pitch, he's going to make you pay. Uh, the number of walks he has drawn uh, simply by being patient, on top of the fact that he is, you know, his slugging percentage is through the roof, his batting average over that period of time is, is ridiculous. His stat line alone, RBIs, the home runs, the doubles, the hits in general, uh, are, are just something to watch. But, you know, having been told this is what the Tigers would be getting, um, you know, sometimes it takes a little time to get there, but boy, oh boy, he is, he, he is absolutely something to watch. And I think when you, if you're looking for a silver lining with all the trouble and ups and downs this year, I think you look to the top four in this lineup for LSU because I think you may see some changes in positions as far as who's batting third, who's batting fourth. But when you really face Bo Jordan, Antoine Duplantis, at the top of the order, then whether it's Bain and Cabrera or Switch, you then have to make a decision. Who are you going to pitch to? Um, you know, Austin Bain just leaves the SEC in doubles, and Austin Bain just finds a way to get on base. Uh, and then Daniel Cabrera, you're either going to walk him uh, intentionally, you're either going to walk him because you're staying away, or he's probably going to make you pay for it if you put one in the zone. So I, I think the top of the order is going to be key, and their performance this weekend to set the table uh, I think will be huge for LSU against Auburn. One final question about the Auburn series, and, of course, it goes back to the pitching staff. What are you anticipating from the Tigers as, of course, the injuries continue to pile up there also? Well, that's, that's you know, that's that's the problem you have. I mean, A.J. Logan, uh, as the team left yesterday, there was no confirmation on whether or not he would be able to go in a start possibly on Saturday. Um, and, and then that creates two problems for Coach Palmineri. One, uh, Labus pitched so well in his last outing in his SEC start that you hate not to have him. Uh, B, uh, your backup in that position, obviously, has been Nick Bush, who also in his last two outings against the SEC have been very good for you, including uh, this past weekend. You also love having Nick Bush out of the bullpen uh, because he's a hard-throwing left-hander with a good curveball and 92-mile-an-hour fastball. But if you're not sure going into Saturday if Labus is able to go, you're not sure if you can burn Nick Bush in a tight game if you need him, say, Thursday or Friday. Um, and that's the problem you're going to have there. So, I mean, it's going to be imperative that Zach has have a dominant outing, not a good outing. He's had four really good outings and just has come up short. Not as Probably the worst of the four uh, was this uh, past week. Luckily, late inning heroic saved it for, for LSU. He's, he's going to need to be... You know, Zach Cass at the end of last year and Zach Cass on a couple of occasions this year where he just dominates with his breaking ball and, and blows batters away with his fastball. Mikhail Hilliard, different style pitcher, but he's going to also have to have maybe his best outing of the season um, because if you don't know who you have, you got to get Zach and Mikhail to go fairly deep. Then you can go to Devin Fontenot, Matthew Beck, uh, a couple of the other guys in the event you have to use Nick Bush. Um, and that's, that's, that's the unfortunate problem that LSU has this weekend. It's interesting enough to know also, guys, from the Auburn perspective, yesterday the Auburn head coach did not meet with the media at a quote-unquote scheduling conflict. Uh, the big question was going to be, are they going to keep Casey Myers on the Friday regular week rest? 
He didn't pitch in Thursday against Ole Miss last week. He pitched on Friday, lost that game. Uh, but according to the notes that we got this morning, uh, he's going to stay the Game 2 starter. They will keep him on Friday uh, instead of going with him in Game 1. So, um, you know, they got a good pitching staff. But, again, Zach Hess has to set the tone later tonight. Chris, uh, do you just hang out in Alabama for a week, or do you go home on Sunday and then return to Birmingham? Well, unfortunately, the, the forecast doesn't look great for us, uh, actually, today and, and even tomorrow. A uh, little bit better on Saturday. So, uh, you know, we may be playing baseball on Sunday, which this is the only weekend of the year the SEC allows that you can go an extra day to fit it in. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looks like we'll probably be leaving from Auburn and heading to Hoover instead of coming back five and a half hours to Baton Rouge and then driving in another direction five and a half hours to Hoover. Looks like uh, we're packed and ready. I've got a giant swim pool to stay possibly ten days. And uh, although most of the time there are much uh, many other places I'd rather be ten days than the state of Alabama, um, I, I wouldn't mind it this time around. I'll be willing to do it. How about that? Okay, right. and you might have to make a trip to the laundromat a time or two. Hey, Chris Blair, it's always fun, man. We appreciate the time. Great stuff. Uh, we'll be listening this week, but. I appreciate it, guys. You have a great weekend. Uh, go Tigers. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. Good stuff. Um, are you ready to duke it out? Sure. You're not excited. I'm, I'm excited about this. you got to sell the people, man. Get it. There's not much to sell when you go undefeated and you beat everybody on your schedule. Okay. Let's, let's, Top 10 Thursday let's coming up. It rolls along on the morning drive. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. We're back after this. All right, Top 10 Thursday continues to roll along. Uh, we threw, went through our list of uh, the 10 best teams from this area in the high school ranks. This year I had at 10, the Neville Girls basketball team at number 9, Struenton baseball, Wasman boys basketball at 8, Richwood football at 7, at number 6, the Summerfield boys basketball squad, at number 5, Cedar Creek softball, at number 4, the Dale High girls, at number 3, the Simsboro boys basketball state championship squad. And on my list, I actually ranked all of the champions within baseball, softball, basketball. Because Jake football. doesn't like Olympic sports. So because he count it is a top ten, and we had nine champions in those sports. Um, so I had West Monroe football at ten, nine Claiborne Christian baseball, eight Oak Grove softball, seven Caldwell softball, six Summerfield boys basketball, five Delhi girls, four Cedar Creek softball, three Sinsboro boys, and now here we are. All right, we come down to the final two and two just incredible teams. You have uh, Washtenaw softball. You heard from Tim Whitman in the 7 o'clock hour. The fact that uh, at least one national poll has them still ranked number one in the country. And then uh, the Rabel boys basketball squad, the Hornets, just with an incredible year. The fact that they did not lose one single game on their way to a state championship. All right, so I have Rabel at two and Washtenaw at one. I have Rabel at two because – Ultimately, there's still a lingering question in the state of who's the best basketball team, okay? Can you make an argument for Ravel? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, look look at their their resume. They've beaten Richwood, West Monroe, Neville, Benton, Wasman, Washtenaw Bears, Carroll, and Riverside. Yeah. And they were undefeated. And they absolutely obliterated North Caddo in the uh, championship game. So the resume is there. But if you asked 10 hardcore basketball fans throughout the state who they thought who the best basketball team was, you could get three to four different answers. 
right? And I'm talking about unbiased. You could get three to four different answers. If you ask 10 hardcore softball fans across the state who the best softball team is, and if they're truly unbiased, they say Washita. All right. But the fact that you're looking at a Ravel squad that is a 2A squad and the fact that they're even being mentioned among, if not the best, one of the best in the state, I think that makes even a stronger case for Ravel hoops. I, I mean, it's – I don't think so because, I mean, it makes – yes, because they are a 2A squad, I get that. They're going up against the numbers. But if you if you want to compare resumes now, let's look at Washtaw softball. They have victories against great opponents from Mississippi and Texas. Mm-hmm. They beat the Division One champion in John Curtis, the Division Two champion in Parkview Baptist. They they beat the 4A state champion in DeRitter. So what I'm saying there is they've beaten all these other champions, so there is no argument in the state. They are clearly mm. the top team in the state in their field. You cannot guarantee that Ravel is the best boys basketball team in the state, even though they are undefeated and have the resume that they have. What? Uh, he's got two texts from uh, Tim Whitman. Good point, Jake. And then another good point. <laughs> Jake, you got a Washita softball shirt on over there. I'm just – no, I, I'm making the argument because I did sit down and think about this because it is tough, right? Ravel's undefeated, okay? I mean, it's hard to be better than perfect, yeah. and they were perfect this past year. But then you look at – you compare both resumes, and I started thinking about that conversation we had after Ravel won the state championship – when we were talking about, man, how great it would be if all the state champions could yeah. play each other. Because, you know, some people think, well, Madison. Terry Waldrop went as far as just go ahead and make out make the bracket. bracket. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was a great idea. And I, it's like if ever a year needed it, it was that year. Because there was no – in the top, in the top uh, like in 5A in Division One, there were, there wasn't a team that was just clearly head and shoulders better than the rest. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you had teams like a 2A, Ravel, that had a compelling argument that, hey, we could beat these other teams. And so I thought this was to create one of the best years to do that. And just thinking about that, you know, because we don't know they're the best team in the state, and what we do know Washtaw is the best team in the state, that's what, you know, swayed my vote. Several of these national uh, polls, they uh, rank uh, the, the schools that aren't private because there's a major difference in high school hoops, the private and, of course, the public schools. Yeah. And they have Rabel literally ranked in the top ten of public schools in the, in the country. And you look at, of course, next year, and with the majority of this team coming back and how much fun they're going to be to watch next season. I mean, Damon West is getting all kinds of calls, of course, to play in some of these prestigious national tournaments. Yeah. Should be fun to see how this plays out. The thing that made this Ravel team so special, we know how talented that they were, but how well they shared the ball and the number of passes. Yeah. And, and they, they continue to go and, and, and get the open look, the open shot. I mean, they got a number of players. Uh, Malik Wilson, he literally could go out and score 35, 40 points a game. But, I mean, he, I don't know what his end of his, his season stats were. He's probably averaging 21, 22 a game. It really wasn't that important. But when they needed him or perhaps he needed to take over a game, he could. And I hope that didn't affect his recruiting at all just because, like, you can't – he, he, I don't want anybody to look at him and think that he's passive. I looked at him as an unselfish player, right. just like the rest of them. They were all getting each other involved. But, yeah, I, I think both both squads have an argument. I think when you when you look at the resume and who the teams beat in the state, I have to go not to Washita. I keep going back to a conversation I had with uh, Damon West. It was uh, Rabel versus Sterlington football, and, and Damon was on the sidelines. I said, man, this is going to be an exciting year. 
I guess you're kind of torn. You weren't able to make a deep run, but you want to get a lot of these guys on the hardwood. He said, no, nah, we're okay. They need to make a, a deep run and maybe make a, a championship push. We are that deep. We are that loaded. And as soon as he said that, and you look at the number of players that were playing football, you're like, ooh. Yeah, when Rashad Naylor is out there playing football, yeah, most teams would, would desperately need him in the lineup. But Ravel didn't. Ravel was that deep. That may have been one of the one of your most solid arguments that you've made in at least uh, six to eight weeks, Jake. We need to write this down. What a, what a time frame. Yeah. Yeah. So you're conceding. I'm not conceding. I'm just saying that was a solid point for Washita Salt. Okay, well, I'll take this as a victory. Thank you very much. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I respect my opponent, mm-hmm. but uh, I was just better today. I will uh, talk to Damon West and ask him what he thinks about Ravel being the second-best team in Northeast Louisiana this year, even though they had a, a perfect record. <laughs> what more could they have done? Won by 55 a game? <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, you, that's what you should have done, Aaron, is you should have averaged their margin of victory. Yeah. That would have been hard to to beat. I'll never forget this year going up to, to Beekman Charter. I've only been up there, quite <laughs> frankly, two or three times. That first quarter. I walk into the gym, and they're like, yeah, now you show up. Now you come to our <laughs> school to watch us play Ravel. And then Ravel puts up 42 points in the first quarter. Yeah, that's such an Aaron Dietrich thing to do. I have been there with some pizzas before, though. Mm. There you go. 888-993-7762. What did Jake get right? What did he get wrong? Coming up next, a guy that gets a lot of things wrong, KFLY Sports Director George Faust, the king of selfies with professional athletes. We are going to give him a hard time after the break. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. We look forward to a big weekend of college baseball. Of course, it gets started a little early with the end of the regular season, one of the series we'll be keeping close tabs on, ULM versus ULM. The fact that the Warhawks have lost 22 straight to the Cajuns. Uh, ULLL has owned ULM. Uh, Warhawks have a tough time beating and beating up the Cajuns. We don't have a hard time beating up or beating uh, George Files from KFLY, their sports director down there. George, how about that lead-in? What's going on, bud? Hey, man, anytime... Uh, Aaron Dietrich has me on his show. I, I'm honored and, and privileged to be to be on the airways with you. Oh, he comes out throwing a nice remarks our way, and then we're going to beat him up. I know, right? Dude, I know what's coming, so I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I kill him with kindness type of guy. Uh, yes, you do. Uh, I was telling Jake a minute ago, <laughs> you, we were almost on the same team uh, years ago. I wanted you, of course, to be a part of the KNRE, the Channel of Champs squad. My news director sure. uh, decided to go another way, and we hired a female over George Faust at the time. Bad call yeah. on Kennedy's part. <laughs> hey, look, it, everything works out the way it's supposed to, and, and, and it's uh, it's been it's been a nice run here down in Lafayette. So uh, I'm uh, grateful that you you called me up and, and and invited me up there for a little bit. But uh, hey, for hey, that interview, where did we go for that a hard hitting interview? When you <laughs> Hey, look, I, I was I was I wasn't married. I was a single guy at the time, so I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, we went to Hooters. We went to Hooters. <laughs> yeah, it was it was. I was okay with that though, you know. Come on, man. So, that, that, there's nothing George wrong with his, that. And George had to pay his half. Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't even remember that. It, it, it was about the company, not the uh, not the bill. So it was all good. All right, George, we got a number of things to touch base with you on, and let's start with there. 
I mean, this is just an amazing and dreadful winning streak that uh, the Cajuns have over the Warhawks. 22 straight. I mean, this dates back all the way back to 2012. Can you explain? Uh, I, well, I, the only thing I can think of is that, is that the Cajuns have had some really good teams uh, in that span. I mean, the 2015, 2014 team that, uh, that uh, I guess – I guess it was the 2015 team but that went to the Supers and lost to Ole Miss uh, in the Super Regionals in Lafayette. That, that team was phenomenal. They had 58 wins that year. I mean, it's it, they've had some talented teams down here. I, I, a lot of a lot of good good talent uh, has come through Lafayette here over the past uh, what 22 games there. So I, I I don't know if it's if it's anything that. Uh, that that UL Monroe's doing wrong. I just think it's probably uh, the Cajuns ha- have had their number as of late. So it's a, it's baseball though, man. So you you, you never know what's going to happen when you get out there, and uh, the pitcher could have a bad night. One one of the hitters could be uh, you know in a slump. You, you never know. And well, with these, this 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 team this year for the Cajuns, the thing about this team is they they don't hit a lot of home runs, so they play small ball. At its finest. So, uh, if there's a situation with a guy on second and one out, I can guarantee almost that they'll that Coach Robichaux will be bunting in that situation. And not only will they bunt, they'll bunt and try and score from second. So uh, <laughs> that's that's the way he he plays it this year because they don't have the big bats. Well, we were going through uh, the Cajuns' uh, schedule, at least their season. Everybody thinks, well, this is a little bit of a down year for them. It's still not too shabby. I mean, literally. 55th right now in the RPI, just not the standard that they've been in the last couple of years. Right. Well, that's that's exactly right. They, Coach Robichaux has done a phenomenal job of kind of uh, uh, creating a big expectation that uh, this team should be, you know, in the top 15 in the country every year, and and that's just that's just impossible to do, even if you're at a, a at a Power Five conference school. Um, but yeah, Coach Robichaux has done a phenomenal job of that. Uh, to make to make uh, this this program relevant uh, and and kind of uh, up the ante in the Sun Belt as well, trying to get the because he said this numerous times to us. You know, it's not just hey if South Al's good or uh, UL Monroe's good or the Cajuns are good or um, what's that other team? Oh yeah, Coastal Carolina, that team that won a national title. If they're good, hey, you need to have every team in your conference be a solid team and and bring it every week because what that does is. Well, creates that RPI that you were talking about, and and every team can can kind of benefit from being in such a strong baseball conference, and that's that's the way he looks at it. So he wants every team to be uh, be a be a power as much as they can be. So I, I think I think that's where he stands, and he wants the, with regards to getting that RPI up. That that's the only way to do it because you have to play your conference foes. You know, I mean, you can go out and schedule an LSU every now and again, but it's not you can't play them every weekend. And uh, so that's the, building up the conference is, is where he's at right now. Uh, a little bit of a down year for the Cajuns, of course. That beautiful facility down there. Have there been some fans that have jumped off the bandwagon? Or are they still getting huge crowds? No, look, look, they got uh, a Tuesday night game. Uh, got uh, I, I think the one against Tech a couple weeks ago, that one pulled in uh, about 4,700 on a, tu- on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, a midweek game. Uh, so yeah, the, the crowds, the crowds down there, they love baseball down here, and uh, it's just it's just amazing to watch 
uh, a program of, of, you know, a mid-major program be able to draw that many fans down here. Uh, and uh, it happens on a regular basis. I mean, I'm expecting uh, a big crowd tonight uh, when, when the Cajuns and, and Warhawks plays. Just because it's, it's not only is it an in-state rival game, it's a Sunbelt Conference game, it's the last games of the year, and people, people kind of want to hold on to that. So uh, they, they don't want the season to end. We don't have pro baseball in this, in this state, basically. I mean, they got the, the, the Zephyrs, I mean, the baby cakes. But, uh, yeah, so uh, – but other than that, the, the baseball season is going to come to an end collegiately in this state pretty soon, and people like the, like the, the camaraderie of college baseball down here. So and I'm, a chance I'm, sure to show I'm sure it's very similar up there too. And they'll get a chance to show off that facility, of course, next week with the Sunbelt Conference right. tournament. But besides yep. loving the Cajuns, uh, George Faust, the sports director at KFLY, is a big fan <laughs> of the Saints. Uh, George, what do you make of the news last week with, of course, Mark Ingram, the suspension? Oh. Four games? Look, I mean, Mark Ingram didn't do himself any favors there. I, I think he maybe felt – this is just my opinion. Maybe he felt a little bit of the pressure of, uh, of a young guy – chomping at his heels uh, that's that's one way to look at it uh, and, and so he was like hey i gotta make sure i can i can keep up with this kamara kid um i i don't think he really has a whole lot to worry about i think he's still in the prime of his career but you know sometimes uh uh things happen and and we'll see we'll see what goes on with uh with that but yeah i i think it it's a little bit shocking to me because i didn't really think that he needed to to, to do anything to enhance what he you know his style his style or yeah I, I never understand that and I'm not a I I hate it in baseball too it's really kind of annoying but uh, I, it is what it is I I'm I'm a guy that thinks Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame so I I, I just create a little asterisk at the bottom I, I'm I'm that kind of guy there's no they were on the field they did it they hit the ball. You know, the guy that he was facing was probably on steroids, too. I mean, so it, 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 to me, it's a whole era thing. That's a whole other conversation. You asked me about Mark Ingram. I think uh, four games, I don't think it's going to hurt the Saints as much as, uh, as, much as a lot of people think. I, I think uh, they'll be able to kind of – I think Sean Payton's kind of a, uh, uh, a genius when it comes to, you know, hey, we got the guy from – the kid from Louisiana Tech in as a running back. You know, he'll be able to help us out. For four games, that's definitely going to be a possibility. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt the Saints on the field as much as maybe some people think. I find it ironic you talking about uh, you know performance enhancing drugs from a guy that's been in the gym at least what once this year. <laughs> once, that's the over under man, and I'd go under. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, a great event down there. I know earlier this week, uh, Drew Brees was in your area and, of course, uh, yeah. doing a little uh, charity uh, speaking. Uh, what was that event like, and what was the, the major message that he had to the fans down there? Well, look, it's interesting because what Drew Brees has going on right now, he's got so many uh, irons in the fire, if you will. He's got he's co-owner of walk-ons. He's got the Jimmy Johns thing. He's, he's kind of doing that thing. They have a walk-ons down here. He, he's, he's always making appearances at so. When he comes to Lafayette, he he, he hits the gamut. He uh, he goes to his walk-ons, makes his appearance there. He takes pictures with people. Then he goes to uh, he he has this new thing. I don't know if you've seen it or not. He's having this this flag football uh, league that he's created, and he said he coaches his kids in New Orleans and San Diego, and and uh, and now in Lafayette, there's going to be a, a a league 
an FNA for the, it's playfna.org. I'm, I'm Drew Brees' publicist now. Um, uh, but FNA uh, lead that, that they're starting in Lafayette here. So they have that going on. Um, and, and so then he, then he was also speaking at the sports awards banquet that the newspaper here puts on the daily advertiser. So, uh, yeah, it, it, that, his message basically is, you know, play a lot of sports in high school. He, he credits tennis with one of his best uh, – the reason why he's such a good quarterback because he can move laterally back and forth, and that's you kind of have to do that in tennis a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that's what it was about. And, and we, we tried to sneak in some football questions, and uh, it, it, right when I try to sneak in a football question or two, he 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 get back to whatever he wanted to talk about. So it's just a PR opportunity for him. He doesn't really like to talk football, but I sneak it in there. Well, you are Drew Brees' PR guy, and of course you have a selfie shot to uh, prove it. All right, let's get. I got here. a couple I, of them. I, I agree with them. probably eighty-two percent of the things that you say and do, but the thing that bothers me <laughs> the most. Uh, yeah. When you take these selfies with these professional athletes, defend yourself on how this is right for a respected journalist to be taking selfies with people that they're interviewing with. I don't see the problem with it. Now, I, I would never ask for an autograph uh, if I was working. It's different. This is, this, is a, this is a visual day and age. So you have to take a picture and then you, you, you send a tweet out so that you can drum up interest in your interview that you've done. That, so so I, I'm, I take a selfie with Drew Brees, put it on Twitter, and say, hey, watch my interview with Drew Brees tonight. There's nothing wrong with that. That's promotion. That's that's trying to get people How about just taking a picture of Drew Brees giving an autograph to a fan? You have to be in the picture. That promotes it more. That brings more to the coverage. That'll get uh, draw in the, the, the viewers. Out well, there. I mean, Aaron, I've been on TV in South Louisiana for nearly 20 years. I mean, I'm, I'm a mild celebrity myself. Come on. <laughs> so Drew Brees taking a picture with me is just as impressive as uh, – me taking a picture with Drew Brees, at least in this part. Come on now. Right. You like that? I, I, I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the <laughs> yeah, common response when you say time. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, come over here and take a picture with me? How do they usually respond? Well, it, 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 uh, they say sure thing. It'd be like, no problem. They, well, they, they, you got to remember, that's the that's why they're there. That that event right there that I took that picture with Drew Brees at, the whole, uh, I was like, hey, Drew, quick, you got a second for a quick picture. And it's after the interview, you take care of it, all your business. And if he said no, I'd be fine with it. Now, now Peyton Manning was a, a, a little more of – that was at a VIP event. He was just there taking pictures. At, like, And I was just uh, – we were filming that event, and then he, he was going up to speak. And so that that took two seconds. And, and I was actually talking – I was having a conversation with him. And I was like, you got a second? And then somebody next to me was like, hey, can we take a picture? I was like, yeah, I'll take a picture. So it was a, it was a, it, it, uh, so I took a picture and I cropped the guy out <laughs> of the picture <laughs> that that actually took the picture. So, You're um, not a millennial, but you sound like a millennial making this argument. I, I well, I'm just saying, I don't make, look. I'm a fan too, man. I'm not gonna lie. I grew up. I played basketball against Peyton Manning. I feel like I know him. I went to school with Cooper Manning. I feel like I know those guys. And uh, at Ole Miss, we took Cooper and I took journalism classes together. Okay. I mean, I, I had, there's a, there's a relationship there that that I feel like I kind of know those guys. So, I it depends on who it is too. I mean, like I, I probably Deuce McAllister. I take a picture with Deuce because he and I went to Ole Miss together. I mean, I but if it was, I wouldn't take a picture with Mark Ingram because I don't mm-hmm. care. I, Alvin Kamara. I probably it's, a, it's just something that's 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 
something to me, so I want to take a picture. That, that, I, I, that's just the way it is. I don't know. I, I, All right, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know I how to defend it. I just, you, I just enjoy my job. That's all. And I get the opportunity, and you know. <laughs> well, uh, appreciate it, and this should be a, a nice series this weekend. Hopefully uh, the Warhawks can snap this 22-game uh, 20 20, losing streak to the Cajuns. George, we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, Aaron. Talk, talk to you later. Thanks. Have a great day, man. You too. George Fox, sports right. director at KFLI. What are you you just rolling your eyes over there? I, I disagree so much. So the one time you agree with me? <laughs> yeah, I really, nice. I'm on page with I'm on board. Did I win that argument? Yes, you did. Yeah. The only time you should ever take a picture with an athlete is if like that athlete's retired and you've covered him for years and you're like, Hey, you know, we've we've worked together for fifteen years or whatever. Let's take a picture. <laughs> That's the only argument I'll hear. But just come on. It crosses the line in my book. 888-993-7762. Coming up, our parting shot. You got a good parting shot for today, Jake? Um, it's okay. All right. Well, wait a, wait a, wait a <laughs> teaser. Way to build you, it up. You've got the better one. Don King over here. Oh, okay. You, you no-sell our earlier segment. Uh, it is. Our argument. Our parting shot. Look here. Look here, Bondi. God, I hate to hear yeah, that. I hate to hear that. And you and Nick up there and your little Punch and Judy show, y'all kind of made fun of it and went on to the next subject. I don't know why we can't understand that. And y'all treat me like garbage, man. Well, I don't really care to answer the critic. Y- y'all trumped up all over me. Wrong. That is absolute wrong. I'm a crowd pleaser. That's what I do. I try to play with my crowd. And I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, Jake, so we went back and forth over the course of the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, should we have Bruce Petty on the show today, one year basically after uh, he exploded on the airwaves and, of course, the, the commotion that it caused and basically thought he was going to be fired immediately, would not even make it to the game that night. In fact, after that I- interview aired, uh, must have been within 30, 45 minutes, get a call from Brian Wickstrom, can you send that interview to me immediately? So I really did not think Petty was going to make it to that game that night, let alone through the weekend. Of course, he does get axed on that Saturday. Wickstrom calls him up on the phone, says, he doesn't even bother driving across town, just says, hey, this is your, your final day as a Warhawk State coach. So we went back and forth whether or not we should have him on the show today, and we decided against it. With that said, with Don Tabor's advice, he is the voice of reason, said, we should bring him back maybe this summer. It won't just be focused on ULM. Bruce Petty was one of our guests. So long, sat in this seat many times, just co-hosting, filling in. He brings so much more. He was entertaining. He was a great guest, a great guest co-host. With that said, one year later, I think we need to still revisit some of the things he said in that interview and perhaps how things have changed in the past year. So I went back through last night, and I just wanted to pull one clip and uh, this is certainly one of several that got people heated last year, of course, where ULM Athletics is at and where it can go. Here's Bruce Petty back then, one year ago, on Warhawk Athletics. Never been around an area that uh, wants people to fail. I, I mean, that's the reality of it. And, and I've seen it with a lot of sports here. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's just funny, Aaron, that you know, this is really what hits me probably the hardest. I've done this for 29 years. I've had a lot of success. People can go back and look and see there was a lot of success. But the bottom line is there's something else going on, and nobody wants to admit to it. And, and to have people that have never coached, it'd be like me walking into a bank and say, you know what, 
What's a pretty good job here? Vice president? That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be a bank vice president. That's like the stupidest thing ever for me to say. I, I can't do that. But yet everybody can coach baseball. Everybody knows football. Everybody knows everything. Everybody knows more than Todd Berry, but I think he's the president of the American Football Coaches Association, right? I think he's very well respected. You know, and, and that's the thing that, that really perturbs me and gets me upset because, you know what, these kids continue to battle. But, you know, the thing is, Aaron, we've got parents within this program that are, are upset and everything else, and their kids have played 50, 52, 53 straight games. It, it's just a, it's an odd area. It really is. And, uh, you know, it, it's I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, because to me, when you're struggling, you should be offering help, not burying people. He went out swinging, of course. Uh, he is now in Kansas. Uh, we exchanged a few texts uh, last night. Uh, he's doing very well, and, of course, uh, he has moved on. ULM Baseball has moved on. Michael Federico, of course, has done a fabulous job in his first year as the Warhawks head coach. The biggest arguments he made throughout that conversation, ones that we had on this show numerous times, of course, the commitment of Nick Bruno to athletics. I think – you can look back now, and uh, there's certainly been improvements with Michael Federico and what they've done. And a lot of the, that has come, though, from boosters coming and rallying behind the new head coach. And how many times do we see that, Jake, when the new guy comes in and the old guy, of course, is uh, complaining and moaning and groaning about what they don't have, and then all of a sudden you bring in a new guy and they give him more money, and all of a sudden you do see uh, different improvements in terms of facilities and what is being done. Yeah, it's it's quite frequent really i mean it, it does happen quite yeah. a bit because you know you can argue about the delivery and some of the other things that he said but some of the things he he did bring to light mm -hmm. and so i think that was a good thing for ulm because when coach fed came in he mm -hmm. what did he get to do he got to renovate the the stadium a little mm -hmm. bit and that was a huge help and like you said i remember the first time you went out there this season you said man it looks really nice yeah. But that was uh, boosters, of course, stepping up to sure. the plate. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, and uh, heck, how many conversations did we have with Todd Berry as that thing was coming to an end? And he talked about, you know, sometimes you need a new voice and certain yeah. things happen. And, I mean, I go back to, of course, you know, Todd Berry coming off that 2012 season and how big it was. And Brian Wickstrom coming in, he's the new AD, and he invites all the media members over to his house. And, and it wasn't about Wickstrom at that time. It was all about what can we do to make Todd Berry happy. And, of course, how everything kind of unraveled after that. And that's sports. A lot of other things that uh, Coach Petty said during that interview a year ago, and we've had numerous conversations about recruiting local kids. And you certainly look at ULM's roster right now, and there are a number of local kids. Bruce Petty kept pointing out they've recruited a lot of local kids, a lot of kids in-state, but they continue to get no's. He pointed out the fact that they literally got 73 no's, and he kept saying 73 no's. He says it was just recruiting against the likes of Louisiana Tech and ULLL. They were losing that battle right then, and he wanted to know how that could change and what they could do different, and they certainly needed upgrades in facilities and support. Yes, they did, and in some degree they've gotten that. And if you want to look at uh, the football side of things, I thought uh, the last couple classes were a lot heavier on local kids, which was a great thing to see. Mm -hmm. So there you go, uh, one year later, and, of course, uh, the Warhawks hit the field tonight uh, looking to – snap that 22-game losing streak that they have to the Cajuns. That's, of course, last year how it came to end for Bruce Petty. 
when they went out and, of course, uh, were swept by the Cajuns in that final game, 6-3. to three. 22 straight, dating back to 2012. Good stuff. Uh, my parting shot, I'll be real quick because I know we're running out of time. Uh, real quick update on Joe Burrow. A lot of people have been wondering what's his status. Uh, still supposed to announce later this week. That's what most people assume. Um, he is not uh, going to take that visit to UNC. Uh, like some somebody, Sean Callahan, <coughs> reported earlier this week. So it looks like he will not. It looks like it is down to Cincinnati and LSU. And if you're keeping up with the Instagram follows, he followed two more LSU players. I don't know what that means, but his last six additions were LSU football players. We'll learn a lot about this kid, how this plays out, and how he presents his final decision. Does he get up there and have a press conference? Does he play the hat game? Or is it just a simple tweet? I look forward to joining the LSU family. Uh, I, I would guess the latter because he's been pretty straightforward. And there hasn't been – like his family hasn't really played it up. Like they could have made this a, a much bigger deal than it has been. I think, feel like they've kind of – they've been on, you know, kind of like radio silence with uh, both Cincinnati people and LSU people. So I think, I think they've handled it well. Good show today. Uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Let's try. You going to talk a little horse racing tomorrow? No. <laughs> Didn't you hear Whitman earlier? Yeah, yeah he wants to hear uh, more Actually, NBA. Actually, no. He, he hated on just me. I should have went with Rabel. He, he attacked me personally with the MMA and the NBA. Uh, did you get a picture with him when you were out at Washita yesterday? Yeah, I do it every time, yeah. Got his autograph, too. <laughs> 888-993-7762. The guys from The Edge want to hear from you next. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning with more on The Morning Drive. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.